the all-electric Kia EV9, Kia's largest electric seven-seat SUV. Kia, major partner of the Australian Open. Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Don't change me Yes, a very good afternoon. 41 degrees today in Perth, 41 degrees in Perth tomorrow and certainly warmer in other parts, the eastern suburbs of the Perth metropolitan area. And we know it's absolutely stifling in the north of our state and even warm uh, in the southwest as well. Wherever you may be listening, thanks for joining us on the program. Uh, Peter Vlahos with you until six. Coming up, we'll speak to a man that played over 100 test matches for Australia, ODIs, and was an outstanding wicketkeeper batsman. Ian Hill is going to chat to us ahead of the Allen Border medal night tonight. So we'll speak to Heels in just a tick. And as well as that, we'll speak to Ben Graham, ahead of the NFL Super Bowl. He'll be going to Las Vegas and he'll be broadcasting the game with Jared Healy. So we'll speak to Ben Graham, the former NFL punter. And a man that captained the John Footy Club in the AFL for three seasons, played over 200 games for the Cats. We'll have a chat to him a bit later on in the show. Just quickly, looking at what's going to be happening tonight, the Allen Border Medal, and we'll be bringing you the awards as they drop over the next hour. Mitch Marsh is one of the favourites to win the medal this time around, thanks to his performances across all three formats. Pat Cummins, Travis Head are also in the running. Uh, Adam Gilchrist, actually, this morning on the Scotty and Goss Breakfast Show, thinks that uh, Travis Head is a genuine smoky with the left-hander, having pretty huge games in the test, T20 and ODI cricket, including a, a couple of ICC event finals, even though uh, his end to the test series against the West Indies wasn't uh, very good. Of course, getting that king pair in the second test against the Windies at the Gabba. And we've got also the Belinda Clark medal tonight. Elise Perry, already a three-time winner, cannot be dismissed. Ash Gardner certainly is one of the favourites among a stacked list of genuine contenders. If you'd like to join us on the program, it is the Temper at Bedshed text machine at number 0487 736 736. Or you can give us a call, 1312 55. Elijah Hewitt, as you heard in Jimmy's update in the run home, has got a hot spot on his foot. A lot of people commented regarding the uh, remarks made by certain people in the media about West Coast Eagles' chances during the course of 2024 and whether they can elevate themselves up the AFL ladder after finishing Wooden Spooners in 2023 with only two wins. Well, they haven't got huge depth and they can't afford to lose the likes, as they had already, of Liam Ryan, who missed the opening rounds of the AFL season, even though I reckon Tyler Brockman will probably fill the void quite nicely. Uh, Campbell Chesser still is struggling to get 100% fit, uh, seems to just cop injury after injury, and now we've got Elijah Hewitt, who's got that hot spot on the foot, so we'll have to wait and see just how serious that is. But I'm just testing and... Wondering what the depth is going to be like for the West Coast Eagles because even early indications are suggesting they may need uh, a few players as well. All right. Uh, the other thing that I came across today, and this is the EPL, or certainly British football, there was a poll done in the UK 
of the biggest derbies in British football. And I'll just give you, we'll go from 10 to 1. Number 10 was Sheffield United against Sheffield Wednesday. That's the Steel City Derby. Number 9 is Hearts versus Hibernian, which is the Edinburgh Derby in Scotland. Number 8, we've got Millwall versus West Ham United. It's called the Dockers Derby, okay, in the east of London. Can you name me the other seven? Seven through to one. See how we go. And if you can name them correctly, in fact, tell me if you can name the top three. If you name the top three, then I'll give you a $50 voucher to the Ishka restaurant here in Perth at 500 Beaufort Street in Mount Lawley. Sebi and the team will look after you. See if you can name the top three when it comes to the biggest derbies in British football. In the meantime, thanks to the all-electric Kia EV9, Kia's largest electric seven-seat SUV. Kia, of course, as we heard, major partner of the Australian Open. Let's talk cricket and let's talk with Ian Healy, who joins us on the program. Eel, thanks for your time. Yeah, it is fine by a isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, thanks very much. You too. And how's the breakfast show going on SENQ? Yeah, it's good. It's all right. I'll, I'll let the listeners be the judge. <laughs> but uh, we're getting the show done each morning. So, yeah, we, we went back last week. I think you just started this week, haven't That's you? That's right. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's all go, go, go again. Did you get to the Gabba to see the second test between Australia and the West Indies? And honestly, Ian, a man that is a very proud Australian, uh, honours the baggy green, played 119 test matches. Was there a bit of you that was actually barracking for the West Indies a few days ago? Oh, not really. I was there every day. I was in a working capacity with SEN. Um, but, uh, no, I, I was happy for Shamar Joseph. I, I was, I'm always happy for any good effort. You know, you can see someone really putting in for a couple of hours and whether they get the, you know, the results uh, is another thing. But I sort of certainly appreciate those sorts of efforts. Uh, his is pretty remarkable that the doctor made him come to the ground. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, 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 and once he, he said, because he said he wasn't, uh, had intentions of going to the ground. Yeah, like they mustn't talk to him through the night. Like we, once they knew, once if if that was me, once I knew that's not broken, I, I'm treating that all through the night to to be uh, whatever chance I can be to be on the deck at two o'clock the next afternoon when when it was time to play. So, but no, no, he was still in bed in pain. No one had talked to him until the doctor rang him at eleven said, no, no, there's good reason why he should come down to the ground. I don't know what he meant about that, mm. whether he felt that the doctor had some treatment for him. Uh, he didn't seem to know what the doctor did with for him, did he? Like, he didn't talk about a needle no. or he didn't t- talk about exactly what was done. But, you know, he, he found out that he was able to sort of run on it better than he can walk on it. And off he went. He skittled the Aussies. So I, I like that effort. I, I certainly... You know, I felt for the Aussies losing, but um, they certainly contributed to their downfall. They certainly did. And saying that, when you look at the Aussie summer, you know, Pakistan, who are very poor in the field, they dropped some important chances, would have challenged the Aussies. And and here we are, the West Indies winning the second test of a two-test series up in Brisbane. How did you view the Australian test summer overall with the four tests? Uh, I think uh, quite... Uh, down, 
like uh, I'd say I'd say tired. Um, they they probably were fighting complacency. As soon as you mention complacency, I someone says let's not be complacent. You, you are complacent. So I think you know the dominance that uh, we expected would be prevalent through the summer. Uh, I think they probably did as well, right to the very end. And uh, that's just fatigue and tiredness without knowing that you're tired. That their energy levels would have been nowhere near where they were in the world t- the world one day cup for example um, you know we take for granted how much energy goes go into good performances because they just feel natural um, but when you're down a little bit it's very very difficult so I, I'm putting it down to tiredness um, sort of whatever that's called a bit of lethargy and what about the much talked about Batting lineup for Australia. Steve Smith made 91 not out, carried his bat through the innings. The last time I remember that, I think it was Bill Laurie back in the black and white days. Uh, made 60, I think, uh, carrying his bat uh, through the innings, uh, Bill Laurie. But your thoughts on the batting lineup with Cam Green coming in at number four? Very much work in progress. Your thoughts? Yeah, um, uh, work in progress is finished for mine. He's got to get going, and he did in that second innings. He was looking fantastic by the end. You know, he's got a story to tell how bad the night before was. Uh, when, when he's a when he's a well-performed test cricketer, he'll be able to look back and go, my goodness, I made it hard for myself there. Um, you know, technically, I'm not sure he's got a great... I'm not sure he's got a great grasp of the basics and, and how to keep it really simple to Shetty. He wasn't watching the ball in the in the first half of his innings, and and when he when he does, he just makes it look so good. So so I think he's got to really find out what basics work for him, which he should have by now. But let's let's hope he has and he can get straight to them. Uh, I think I think he'll be fine. Um, and then Mitch Marsh and Travis Head just need to be careful um, and to keep their form roles uh, going. Um, Steve Smith was excellent. He, he worked his batting out with some high energy practice in the week leading up. You know, you know, they talk about him being such a good problem solver. You know, well, that's getting that's what you just do. You've got if you if you're not haven't got balance and you're squaring up and you're nicking things and your front foot's not working and your back foot's not working, you got to practice. And mm. and he put the energy in that a lot of the Australians aren't doing at the moment. I, I think they were limping to the end in that Test match. And, uh, you know, the bowler that knocked him over was limping as well, but uh, he, he was limping more successfully. Just before we get on to the Allen Border medal, which is on tonight, Ian Healy, your thoughts? It wouldn't have happened in your day, I'm pretty sure, where a middle-order batsman, when there is a vacancy, as in the case with Dave Warner, gets promoted to open the batting. Now, Steve Smith, and he's got a fair argument, says, I've... Many times batting at number four, I've come in early when a couple of poles have gone cheaply and I've faced the new ball. I gather it would have been common practice at all uh, in your time playing test cricket. Uh, no, not common. Um, who did we have? We had Slater and Taylor and Matthew Hayden slot in when an opportunity came. But then it was Justin Langer who got promoted. Um, generally, our move was specialist openers, and then a youngster or the newbie goes in at six, and and you fight your way up the order. Once one of the wars go, or you know, there was Ricky Ponding doing that, um, Damien Martin doing that. Um, so, so that was a general process, but it's it's been done plenty of times. And Shane Watson was one that made it all the way to opening. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't mind, Smithy. I've seen. You know, even Alan Border, for example, uh, tighten up at the end of his career. 
you know, you'd be batting with him and he'd look to play a big cut shot to something short, fast and wide, and he, he'd let it go. And he'd come down and say, God, I used to smash that. So so they do tighten up and, and their stroke play becomes more limited, like Stephen War. And and so I think this is going to be good for Stephen Smith. Mm-hmm. He, it'll, it'll stretch him nicely uh, when he needs that challenge. Um, I don't see it as an experiment. Um, if if it doesn't work, he, he's finished. Simple as that. And, um, yeah, and I think he knows that. Okay, let's have a look at the Allen Border Medal. Just for those people listening, the votes uh, weighted in the uh, race for the Allen Border Medal with votes from test matches worth twice as much as the ODI fixtures and three times the T20 votes. And votes are cast after each game on a 3-2-1 system voted by teammates, match referees or umpires and members of the media. So that is the so-called voting panel. Mitch Marsh yes. has been uh, thrown up there, Pat Cummins, Travis Head. How do you read it? <laughs> it's very difficult to read, although I had a very good record at picking it uh, in the day mm-hmm. uh, because what you have to do is go back to see every scorecard and, and just think to yourself who the team would have, would have given 3-2 and 1-2. Because you can't afford to say, right, well, Usman Khawaja, he's had the best summer by a mile, a thousand runs at 46. Um, but if he had a if he made 61 one knock, you have to find out who made 100 or who got five wickets in that game, and Usman might have got zero points for those runs. So, so uh, it, it's that's the best way to do it. Um, oh, I think. It, it is a pretty convincing argument that Mitch Mitch is going to be right up there because he has had Test match success, which is weighted heavily, as I said. Travis Head, mm-hmm. uh, Usman consistently, Pat Cummins consistently, you know, and and all formats. That that'd be the four I can pencil in, I reckon. But uh, Mitch Marsh, oh, yeah, I don't know. I haven't gone through the scorecards, so. Oh. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. And Pat Cummins, he, he had this good year, but he might have just got three for when someone made a hundred. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah. And, yeah. And I'm not sure. Oh, I'm happy to go with the, the tip is Mitch Marsh. Um, T20s, the World One Day Cup was all right. His Test match cup, you know, pinched three points a few times, didn't he? So, so yeah. And in the girls, in the Belinda Clark medal, probably Beth Mooney'd be close, or Ash Gardner, I reckon. Yeah, Ash Gardner, Elise Healy, or she's already a three-time winner. Never uh, Annette without a chance. So it'd be interesting tonight in the Belinda Clark medal. Watch the actual women last night take on South Africa down there in Hobart. Uh, they got over the line with three balls to spare in the T20. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, uh, it's certainly evening up on the international scene mm. when it comes to women's cricket as well. Yeah, it's a good call. I think we've probably always played this number of games in cricket as our female team, the Southern Stars, they were. And I think the other nations are starting to play against us more and, and, and start to get around the world better. Marazan Cap's batting was great, wasn't it? 75 mm. there. And we, we were a bit scrappy. You know, she had us under real pressure towards the end of, of their batting innings to post 162. So uh, we had our hands full to get over the line. So, uh, yeah, I think the the competition's evening out and we're we're just off the boil a little bit, mainly with our containment. We're not containing batting sides as well as we once did. Yeah, and of course, uh, Beth Mooney now ranked number one in the world. Uh, She's been a star and we've seen her 
close at hand here, being part of the Perth Scorchers lineup, and Mary's Ann Cat yeah. also played a couple of seasons here for the Perth Scorchers as well. Ian Healy, thanks for your time. Always lovely to chat to you, mate, and uh, pass on my best to Paddy Welsh, and look forward to listening to SENQ's Brecky Show tomorrow morning. Uh, yeah, I will, Pete. No problems, mate. See you soon. See you, mate. The all-electric Kia EV9, Kia's largest electric seven-seat SUV. Kia, major partner of the Australian Open. Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Don't Great to have you company. Peter Vlahos with you. I sort of threw up at the top of the show. I came across, I do a lot of reading and no, certainly look at a lot of sports reading. And I came across an article because I do follow the uh, football pretty well. We're talking about the round ball game and the experiences that we've had certainly here in Australia in recent times. On what are the top three, top three biggest derbies in British football? And we've got... Uh, some person who hasn't identified their name, but it's got uh, the top three. Aston Villa, Birmingham is known as the second city uh, derby at number three or the derby. Number two is Newcastle against Sunderland, known as the uh, Tyneware derby. And number one is Celtic and Rangers, the old firm uh, derby derby. So that is uh, the top three, one, two, three. Then there's Arsenal, Tottenham at number four, the North London Derby, Derby. Number five is the Merseyside Derby between Everton and Liverpool. Number five. Number six is Cardiff City against Swansea City, which is the South Wales Derby. And then at number seven, Manchester City versus Manchester United, which is the Manchester Derby. So there you go. So well done to that person who gave us a text on the Temper of Bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. On the back end of Ian Healy, a lot has been said about Cameron Green's position and his elevation uh, into the... Australian batting lineup at number four, an all-rounder. As we know, uh, Steve Smith now has gone up as the opening batsman, uh, scored that 91 not out and carried his bat in the second innings of that match against the West Indies at the Gabba, and that allowed uh, the number four position that Smith vacated to be filled by Cameron Green. And I suppose the jury's still out on whether Cameron Green can involve to be a uh, good number four batting at second drop for the Australian test team going forward. And, of course, in his ability to bowl as well, medium fast, a very handy bowler. And he's been picking, been picking up the odd uh, important wicket uh, for Australia in the couple of tests that he's played of late against the West Indies. Well, Shane Watson, uh, who, as we know, is a very polished Australian all-rounder, gave his thoughts on Cam Green. Look, he certainly has got the skill to be a, a, a number four batter a test batter for sure. Um, he's got immense skill, and we've seen it um, from a from a youngish age. In the last since you know he burst onto the scene in first class cricket, but then also Australia. He's got he's got a um, he's got a great skill of scoring runs, and we've seen that in first class level. Every time he goes back to first class cricket, he knows how to peel off the runs. So, and we've seen it in other formats of the game in T twenties and and one days as well, where the biggest challenge for Cam, and um, you know, I'm fortunate to be at. A, have consistent sort of conversations with him around this as well from my own experience is when he has that freedom of mind to be able to just let himself go and fully trust his immense skill that he's got, that's when we will consistently see the very best of him because he has got incredible skill at such a young age across the board. It's not just he's got the skill from a batting perspective to be a number four batter and a very successful one in, in international cricket. 
but he's an incredibly skilled fast bowler. He's an incredibly skilled fielder as well, as, as we've seen. So um, a big part for him, yes, there's, there is this excessive pressure on him because um, of a fast bowling all-rounder doesn't come along that often. Um, and people expect big things of him because of the immense skill that he's got. So for him, it's really just navigating around how to be able to just continue to create that the right mindset for him when he's at his very best to perform consistently at his best, which um, is certainly not far away. So you are in favour of what they've done, and that is reshuffle the batting order to get him to number four sooner rather than later? Well, they need to get him into the team 100%. Um, having Cameron Green sitting on the sidelines is not... He's he's definitely one of the top six batters in Australia, for sure. So, And at the moment, the way the batting lineup was set up was Travis Head has had great success at five. Mitchell Marsh is definitely more of a number six batter, and we've seen when he's come in and had that freedom just to be able to take the game on, how devastating he's been since he's come back into the Australian team during that Ashes series. So... The number four position for Cam Green, he's definitely got the technique, the temperament. Once he just finds exactly what the game plan is and the right consistent mindset that he needs when he is at his very best at test level. So just the way the batting order sort of is set up, I think that's absolutely was the, was the right place for him to be able to bat compared to moving up to opening. And that's where I know Steve Smith, that's the challenge that he's needed at this end of this stage of his career to be able to continue to um, challenge him to be able to get him up so he's got a continued longevity in the Australian test team. So there you go. That's Shane Watson talking on West Australian and now Australian all-rounder Cam Green. Congratulations. Have we got applause there that we can roll? Let's uh, roll a few applause here, gentlemen, if we can find them on our play out list. <laughs> Big announcement here. Big announcement here. He was the favourite, possibly in some circles, to win the Allen Border Medal. We can officially announce that Mitch Marsh, our very own, has won the Allen Border Medal for this season. Of course, uh, a great performance. He excelled in all three forms of the game. That is, when you look at the Test Arena, the IDO. ODI fixtures, the World Cup, and, of course, uh, he did very well in the T20 for Australia as well. So congratulations to Mitch Marsh. He's taken out the Allen Border Medal. So uh, everybody here at SEN, we congratulate him on that achievement. And let's see if we can maybe get a comment from Mitch Marsh from the presentation night and maybe play that out to you before 6 o'clock and see what we can do anyway. We'll take a break. After the break, we're going to uh, really jump into what is going to be a huge event. And SEN is right across it. Uh, the Super Bowl 58. And we're going to speak to Ben Graham after the break about the event and everything that goes about putting a Super Bowl together. The all-electric Kia EV9, Kia's largest electric seven-seat SUV. Kia, major partner of the Australian Open. Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Yes, congratulations. Mitch Marsh has won the Allen Border Medal. Uh, we'll play Mitch Marsh's 
acceptance speech in just a little while. So stay with us. Looking forward to hearing that. In the meantime, let's look at the uh, big Super Bowl 58, the NFL Climax. It'll be broadcast here on the SEN Network. Jared Waitley and Ben Graham will be our broadcast team. Former Geelong captain, of course, NFL punter, a man that made his name with both codes and has played in a Super Bowl, the first Aussie and only Aussie to do so. Uh, ben Graham, thanks for joining us on the program. Oh, g'day, Peter. Thanks for having me on, mate. What a fantastic time of the year it is when the <laughs> NFL playoff, well, they've almost come and gone, but we've got one big game left to talk about and look forward to in Vegas in a couple of weeks. And, of course, you'll be going, calling it with Jared Waitley. Uh, a lot of us haven't experienced the event, uh, Ben. You've been there as a broadcaster. You've been there as a player, as we know, the first Australian to play in a Super Bowl how do you rate this event compared to other major football events? Well, Peter, the way I explain it, and it's with no disrespect to the AFL or the NRL or the A-League, but a regular season NFL game is like a final and an NFL playoff game is like a grand final. So the Super Bowl is on another level. You know there are hundreds of millions of people watching it around the world. And even if it's not for the game, if it's for the halftime entertainment or the commercials, but it's getting bigger and bigger in Australia and we are a huge part of the international audience. NFL International do a great job and I'll always be the first Australian to play in a Super Bowl. We're yet to see an Australian to win a Super Bowl ring. Maybe it is uh, Mitch Wisnowski from Western Australia that might be that guy for the 49ers. But there's no doubt it's on a complete other level and and as a player you sort of become immune to it in the lead up you because they try and keep things as normal as possible but you do understand everything that goes on around you leading into the the game but this is the first time the Super Bowl will be held in Las Vegas so I'm sure the distractions will come thick and fast for all those that are going for all those that'll be in Vegas for the week and maybe not even attending the game but if you can't make it, it'll be a great spectacle. And if you can't even watch it on TV, Peter, well, then tune in to SEN because we'll bring it to you live. Play-by-play, Jared and I, looking forward to it. For This will be the third straight year that I've been as a as part of the media contingent. Yeah, good on you, mate. Well, you're the envy of a lot of people. Now, you sort of finished your playing days in the NFL about a decade or so ago. How much has it grown in the people's psyche here in Australia in the last decade, once you, of course, you hung up your boots and returned home? Well, Peter, exponentially every year, even when I started playing uh, at the New York Jets, you've just felt like there are a lot more eyeballs and interest in the game. And as it grew throughout my career and then social media kicked in and other Australians and then, of course, those that went to college and punted or played other positions uh, in college, And then, of course, fantasy football has been a huge part of people's lives. I think Australia is in the top five countries in terms of NFL fantasy. So it's come from all angles. Uh, NFL Australia are doing a great job at grassroots level through flag football. But it's only going to continue to grow. But what I will say, Peter, is that I understand even for some sports fans, the NFL isn't a game that they can relate to or adjust to. But it doesn't take much. It's a player. It's a team. It's getting involved in a fantasy league or whether it be an Australian that they might follow. Once you understand the rules like chess, it's a very, very fun game. And 
It's, you know, from a business sense, it's the biggest business sport that there is uh, in the world, uh, I believe anyway. But it's, um, look, it continues to grow, continue to, to will grow to the point where, you know, I'm in the studio every Monday morning covering all the games and we are, as Australian broadcasters, have our own booth in in the Super Bowl Stadium. I mean, it's that's just a sign of, of what the people want and how quickly the Australian audiences have warmed to it. Amazing. Yeah, it'll be a brilliant broadcast. And the fact that you've been there, done that, in a, a foreign frontier when you went over there after playing over 200 games for Geelong is testimony to your passion and uh, how you'll deliver it on air with Jared uh, on February the 11th, our time here in Australia. So let's have a look at the two combatants. I know you left the NFL. Your last port of call was Detroit. Uh, you spent, I think, a season at the Detroit Lions. And at one stage, it looked like they were going to appear in the Super Bowl. I think the last time they won one, correct me if I'm wrong, Ben, was back in 1957 or something. Well, no, no. so that was before the Super Bowl era. Uh, so of the current Super Bowl so we're up to Super Bowl 58. They're one of four teams that have never appeared in a Super Bowl. So it's the Lions, the Browns, the Texans, and the Jaguars of the current franchises. So what the Detroit Lions achieved this year, though, they won the division for the first time in 30 years and got back to the NFC Championship game for the first time in 32 years, but they had never won a road playoff game. And, Peter, at halftime, when they had that 17-point lead, I had as big an emotional investment in a team that I've had as a past player, because I understand what the city of Detroit's been through, the heartache of losing seasons, an 0-16 season in there. And the fact that they packed out Ford Field for this game, not a spare seat, you just knew what it meant to them. And when it all went pear-shaped in the second half and the 49ers got back in it and took the lead and Dan Campbell took his chances, went for it on a couple of fourth downs, you could just feel the devastation through the TV screens. Uh, I, I still know people at the organisation that I spoke to yesterday that they're gutted. They're, they, that they believe they'll come back hungrier than ever. It'll take a while for this to sink in. But they were so close scoring 24 points in the first half and then only that solitary touchdown late in the second half to potentially try and tie it up after an onside kick. But that's probably taking it away from the 49ers and Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey have had such a great season. It just took them a little while to get going. Detroit maybe gave them a couple of chances which helped change the momentum of the game. But Look, very proud of what the Lions have been able to achieve this year. They've got such a great young roster. They'll be fine. But the 49ers, they're in a little bit of a sweet spot. Obviously, this is a revenge game from Super Bowl 54. Mm. They lost to the Chiefs. This is the the fourth NFC Championship game in five years. They've got to their second Super Bowl in that span. So I know there are a lot of 49ers fans in Australia based on their success in the late 80s, early 90s. So... It's, uh, look, it's as hard as it is and as much heartache as the Detroit fans have endured. They're very proud of their team. Patrick Mahomes was uh, named the MVP of that Super Bowl uh, when the Chiefs defeated the 49ers 31-20 that you mentioned. And no doubt he's a, a super key player again this time around. Oh, he's the best quarterback in football. 
Uh, I know a lot of other t- a lot of NFL fans wanted to see the Baltimore Ravens or the Buffalo Bills or someone else other than the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, but they're in there because Patrick Mahomes is that good. Now, he didn't have a great regular season, but they did win the division. They've had to go on the road for the first time in their six years. They went to their sixth straight AFC Championship game. This is their fourth Super Bowl in those six years, and it's all thanks to Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, He's been amazing too. They broke a record on the weekend. 16 touchdowns between a quarterback and a receiver is the most in NFL history. Travis Kelsey broke Jerry Rice's number of receptions in the playoffs. They, they, did, they did it not all offensively, though. Patrick Mahomes right now is playing with the best defense that the Chiefs have had over his six years in the league. They were extraordinary against the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, it's been a wasted year for the Ravens, but they were able to stop the run. They were able to force Lamar Jackson into that bad throw in the red zone, which really was a costly, costly mistake. There were some untimely penalties on the Ravens. But this is you've got to give the Chiefs credit. They've done enough. Patrick Mahomes, though, he's the quarterback. I want the ball in his hands in a Super Bowl, particularly in the last quarter, particularly if they've got to come from behind. So this is... It's a, it's a revenge match for the 49ers, but it's an opportunity for Patrick Mahomes to add to an already unbelievable resume and legacy. He's only 28 years of age, and his resume right now supersedes Tom Brady's at the same age. Now, we know that Tom Brady went on to play another 17 years in the league, but he is in a... Well, he's in another stratosphere, really, at this, at this particular age. But he's... Uh, Look, they're going to have their work cut out against his 49ers defence, but my goodness, he's a fantastic player. Well, as you mentioned earlier, Perth boy Mitch Wisnowski is playing for the 49ers. We'll be cheering for him here on the west coast of Australia. Now, San Fran haven't lifted the Lombardi since, I think, 1995. Is there a chance they can do it this time? Well, they will go into this game as favourites. They've got a lot of stars on that team. At the start of the season, we said there may be too many mouths to feed because Christian McCaffrey came across from the Panthers mid-last season. He's probably going to win the Offensive Player of the Year. You've got Debo Samuel, who's so important to them. Brandon Ayuk's their best receiver statistically. George Kittle's a threat at tight end. And they have had a top-five defense throughout the season, although they have been shown a few cracks of late, uh, but they will start as favourites. And I think Brock Purdy has received some unfair criticism, I think, throughout the season. They call him a game manager, someone that just needs to be able to integrate his stars, just run the game plan. Nothing sexy about what they do on offence if Christian McCaffrey's not involved. But what he did against the Lions, not only in the air in the second half, but on the ground, he had a couple of brilliant runs which we haven't seen before. So they, they're probably in a better shape than they were four years ago when they met the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. But the Chiefs didn't have this kind of defence either. So it's going to be a tough ask for the 49ers in this revenge game for them. But I, I, I just can't go past. If I had to pick a quarterback, Peter, that I wanted to save my life, it would be Patrick Mahomes. And we mm. saw that late in the game with that third and long to... Marquez Valdez-Scantling, which sealed the deal. He just comes up with these plays at the right times. And either way, though, 
it should be a cracking game in a cracking stadium in a city that's hosting the Super Bowl for the first time. Yeah, and we'll check in, hopefully, uh, time permitting, uh, with you again uh, before the big match on February the 11th. And, of course, Taylor Swift is going to try and jet back, I believe, from Tokyo, where she's performing in a concert, (laughs) to be there to support Travis Kelsey. That's a nice little side plot to it all. Hasn't she certainly created some, uh, well, unexpected publicity for the NFL? Oh, I mean, how good Taylor Swift? She's been in the NFL for one year and she's already made it to a Super Bowl. <laughs> now, I know the NFL purists, they don't like it when the cameras pan to Taylor Swift in the booth when they're watching a game of NFL. But what we have to understand is the NFL is a global product and if she has helped an influx of half a billion dollars into the NFL, if she has bought hundreds of millions of Swifties to follow the NFL. We're all benefit for it. So good on it. Uh, you know, if they win, will he propose? Won't he? Will she do an impromptu halftime entertainment with Usher? Who knows? But look, it's all a bit of fun, Peter. I think we need to embrace it. Uh, but yeah, she's going to have a busy couple of days going from Japan to Vegas to Melbourne. Yes. For her Melbourne tour. So yeah, little uh, one of the sideshows that we'll be talking about in the lead-up to the big game. And before I let you go, I need to ask you another question. After all, you were captain of this club for about three seasons. Can Geelong bounce back this season? Well, Peter, everyone's been riding them off for about a decade. Uh, and they continue to find a way. Now, they didn't make the finals this year. They do have a young roster with some ageing stars. Look, it might take them a couple of years to entrench themselves back in the playoffs, but they're going to be a hard team to beat. They're well coached. They've still got some great players. They're only, what are they, 15 months removed from winning a premiership. So I'm not sure how far they'll slide. They'll always be competitive, but I don't really expect them to be in the mix uh, this upcoming season. Uh, but for you guys over there, you'd be hoping for a little improvement out of the Eagles and even the, uh, the Fremantle Dockers. But um, I'm hoping that it's building for both franchises. Yeah, exactly. We're keeping our fingers crossed as well. Good on you, Ben. Thanks for joining us. As I said, hope to touch base with you again before the big event. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Peter. Good on you, Benny Graham. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Mitch Marsh coming up after the break here on Sports Day WA. The all-electric Kia EV9, Kia's largest electric seven-seat SUV. Kia, major partner of the Australian Open. Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Don't change I tell you what, I love firsts in sport and we saw the West Indies actually record their very first test win at the Gabba a few days ago for 27 years. And Luton Town, who play in the EPL, and you should see their ground, Kenilworth Road, have just recorded overnight their biggest ever Premier League win in their history. They beat Brighton by four goals to nil. Uh, it's just a meek little club north of London, and uh, they pulled on a, an impressive performance last night. Speaking about impressive, Ash Gardner has just taken out the Belinda Clark medal, so congratulations to her in relation to her exploits uh, for women's cricket. And in the Allen Border medal, third place went to Steve Smith, second place to the Australian skipper Pat Cummins, and our very own Mitch Marsh has taken out the Allen Border medal. 
I always go to awards nights and I spray people at table because they haven't got anything prepared um, at an awards night. Um, and I don't have anything prepared, so um, I just want to thank a few people. I've obviously spoken about Greta, my amazing wife, but um, I want to thank everyone at WA Cricket um, for your amazing support throughout my career. And um, no Australian player gets to where they are without the uh, help and guidance of their state, so um, they've been vitally important for my career. Um, to a man named Scott Newman, who a lot of you won't know, um, he's been my batting coach um, for the last few years and uh, one of my greatest mentors in my life. Um, without him, uh, probably still be trying to defend most balls instead of slogging him. So um, I've got him, a lot to thank him for. Um, and his old man, Bobby, down at Newman Cricket Store. Um, they're an amazing family. So to Scotty, thank you so much. Um, to our team, it's, oh, I just love playing in this team now. I've had so much fun, especially over the last 12 to 18 months. We've had so much team success. and. I guess I'm really proud to have uh, been able to contribute to that um, over this period of time and everyone knows I love a good time and when you keep winning it just gets better and better so um, it's been great but I'd like to um, pay particular uh, thank yous to uh, Ronnie and Paddy. Um, you just, you believed in me um, and I don't really know, I, I can't thank you enough for just believing in me and um, I'm a bit fat at times and I love a beer but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you see the best in me always, and um, you just, yeah, you've, uh, you've changed my life. So, for, for your support, Patty, and your leadership, um, playing under you is an absolute dream. So, um, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> I'll probably finish there, but um, just quickly to my beautiful family at home, to Mum, Dad, Sean and Melissa. Um, you, I know how proud you'll be. Dad'll be sitting having six W's at the Coral Bay pub. <laughs> um, and he'll be telling me to stop crying, so uh, it's probably time to get off the stage. But um, this is a huge honour, AB. Um, yeah, thank you for being here. And I uh, really can't quite believe it, so um, I'll see you on the dance floor. What a great speech. Good on you, Mitch. Just said it beautifully and uh, nothing like a bit of emotion. It uh, also chokes up people that listen to it. Uh, very emotive regarding his family. Interesting that special bond that he talks about with Pat Cummins and his wife and the fact that uh, we don't know, but no doubt they've been such uh, great supports of Mitch Marsh as he's taken his uh, path to where he is now and an Allen Border medalist. Um, I'll have to find out a bit more about that and what they've actually done in the development of Mitch Marsh. We know what certainly the Marsh family has done. And Scott Muellerman, who we know uh, for generations, uh, they have been involved in WA cricket. Scott, uh, certainly the son of the, uh, Ken was the grandfather, Bob was the father, and Scott is the son of Bob Muellerman. So three generations of Muellerman have been involved in cricket. And I said to Jimmy, it'd be great to actually get Scott on the program tomorrow. So he'd be feeling pretty proud about what's eventuated tonight. But also let's talk about the legacy 
that the Muellerman family have had in WA cricket. You know, they've been there with Justin Langer. They've been there with a lot of cricketers over many, many years, many decades, many generations. And a special mention there to Scott Muellerman by Mitch Marsh. I will try and get Scott on the program tomorrow. Thanks, Lise. Uh, congratulations, Mitch Marsh, winning the Allen Border Medal. Very worthy recipient. Peter, what is going on at the Eagles every day? We're hearing about another injury. Question mark, question mark, question mark, Lise. We may explore it a bit more tomorrow, so keep listening between 5 and 6 tomorrow for another edition of Sports Day WA, brought to you by Kia and also our friends at Toolmart, the complete tool centre. Thanks for your time today, and also thanks to Nutrien Ag Solutions for their support.